opinions expressed by Edwin are Edwin and Edwin's only, all right? Not of his sponsors, employers, baby mama, anybody he went to school with, anybody he owe money to. With that being said, enjoy the video. What is going on, everyone? Edwin Pagan here. Thanks for joining me on the Word on the Road podcast, your weekly technology care package. Now, if you're not familiar with the podcast, of course, first of all, my name is Edwin Pagan. Uh, and in this podcast, we give you three stories, usually tech-related. We give you your, our, our analysis on them, and then we send you on your way, hopefully more informed, uh, you know, and, and maybe smarter, you know, maybe smarter. Sometimes I feel like people leave dumber. I feel dumber sometimes, but uh, with that being said, uh, it's going to be an interesting podcast. Now, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, you might be looking at the at the, at the background like Edwin. You you floating in Orlando, son? You floating in Orlando? Uh, you guys asked, and I delivered. We uh, we uh, installed the green screen, and so hopefully uh, we'll be able to have some better um, views in the background for the videos we do so if i'm doing reaction videos i can have the video there i'm dog i've been learning a lot about this whole you know streaming process and uh creating videos and so i really want to up the quality because dog i do this full time now so um with that being said um let's see before we jump into stories a little bit about myself what was my week like man spent a lot of time with the family this week if you probably saw me on youtube streaming i have my little boy with me so my, my son alex we were streaming roblox this kid is absolutely uh obsessed uh with uh with streaming uh and like watching youtube people and so instead of you know um you know instead of like just being spectators i said you know what let's do it so you know we set up the little uh, we set up the little process to play roblox here and stream it so he was really happy about it he keeps watching the video that we recorded um which is up now but um we're definitely we i'm definitely looking into doing it more um i've never thought i'd be streaming games you know what i'm saying that's not my cup of tea but uh you know what if he loves to do it then i'll do it and it's quality time for us to spend together so might as well you know what i'm saying plus it's weird when you um when you play roblox or like games with your kid because you get to see in their head like because like your your computer is like an extension of you you know what i'm saying and so uh the fact that like you know i could see what he's into and see what's like it's very funny what my son finds funny versus what i find funny it's the weirdest uh thing in the world but it's like ah, it gives me some insight into his life lets me monitor him lets me see what what type of like what's going on in this little kid's world and uh so that's why we do it so we'll definitely be doing it again we're definitely going to up the quality now that we have the green screen um and yeah that's it man that's all i gotta say about me becoming a pro game streamer so with that being said we got some articles for you today that i found very interesting um so without further ado let's go ahead and jump into the first article of the day man um which is you know uh, it's a little somber of course but we're gonna be remembering the boy steve Jobs. so today uh would have been steve Jobs' 65th birthday um it, it's crazy that he's gone it's it really is it, you don't really think about it the fact that he's gone now if you're not familiar with who uh with who steve jobs is um, if you're not familiar with who Steve Jobs is, um, CEO of, uh, of Apple Computer, one of the founders, and um, you know, I think about the day Steve Jobs had died, and um, you know, um, you know, I remember just being emotional the day he died. Um, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, and Bill Gates in that era of, of computing is is very, especially if you feel like you're a '90s or '80s baby, it really, you know, it, it really resonates with you because the wars between Apple. In Windows, like if you think Apple versus Android is bad, Microsoft versus uh, worst. Um, Apple was this crazy air in time where people were fighting with each other, and one's better than the other. Um, and when Steve Jobs died, all that kind of just went away. That that bad that bad blood. But what I really learned from Steve Jobs, because there's quotes 
um, there's a speech that he gave out there at Stanford University um, that um, will always resonate with me, um, which is you can't put the pieces together looking forward. You can only put the pieces together looking backwards. Um, it's a speech that he gave, and it's always, 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 always resonated with me because it kind of talks about the idea um, in, of Steve Jobs' philosophy in life and his philosophy with Apple and how it's it, it's hard to make sense of things when you're going through them, but it's a lot easier to make sense of things when you look back at what you've been through and you'd be surprised like the things and the experiences that you've gone through how you can apply those to your life and how those apply to your life you know in his example um he talks about one day in college sneaking into a calligraphy course this is a guy who wants to be a computer science major um sneaking into a calligraphy course and, and learning about calligraphy and the art of writing and how beautiful fonts can be and he said it wasn't until years later that you know they were designing the Macintosh that they you know were able to, he was able to use this idea of of uh, um, you know creating fonts and um, and calligraphy and using that to make the Mac the beautiful product that it is because of the fact that he took that course and he couldn't make sense of that when he was in that class um, but it wasn't until he got out of that course that he was able to make sense of what you know what that meant and so. Um, I really apply that to my life. I really do. I, I think about everything that I've been through, um, both good and bad, the experiences, the friendships, the moments I've shared with people. And I think about how a lot of those moments somehow play a part in my life today and whether how I, and whether and how I am as a parent and whether how I am as a, as a professional um, and how I carry myself and everything. And it's like, you know, it's very true what he says. You can't put the pieces together uh, looking forward. You can only look I'll put them together looking backwards. And, you know, his 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 model on life, his philosophy on life about, you know, wake up and do meaningful work, uh, do find meaning in what you do. It's something that resonates with me as well. You know, it, it really does, because, um, you know, the fact that I decided to become an independent contractor, the, the uh, independent business owner. Um, what am I saying? Business owner? the fact that I just decided to, to do my own thing, to say, you know what, I want to. I want to do videos. I want to, you know, do my own business. I want to have my own product. I want it to be my product. And a lot of it is not just because monetary gain. It's not because, you know, we're trying to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. That's that's beyond what the the goal is. The goal for me has always been, especially because of Steve Jobs, has always been finding meaning in your life and finding uh, happiness in what you do. So waking up every morning and asking yourself, am I doing what I want to do? Am I doing something that I'm passionate about? And Steve Jobs asked himself that question every morning. And he said, if the answer was not yes, then, you know, it, then he needed to change his, his trajectory of what he was working on. And um, being able to apply that to my life, at least, it's been a better life, you know, because it's meaningful work. And so the past five or six years, a lot of the work that I've done has been meaningful. You know, it's been a learning experience. It's been so many different things. And so the fact that I'm, I'm happy, it's not just because of monetary gain. It's because of the fact that I've been able to wake up and say, yo, I love what I do until I didn't love what I did anymore. And then finding the next thing, you know, in life that's going to make you happy. And I think with Steve Jobs, he kind of showcases of like what it means to to love what you do and be obsessed with it. You know what I'm saying? And what the end result is, which is what Apple has grown to be. You know, Steve Jobs and Apple computers in general, nobody can say, you can say whatever you want about all the new smartphones that are out and blah, blah, blah. But Steve Jobs and Apple computers set the standard for what mobile computing should be like. 
they, there was nothing comparable to it until it came out. And that's very rare that you see that in today's technology field, but it was there was nothing compared to it. You know, when it came out, it was a device that no one had ever seen before, the, the user interface. There was Microsoft, Microsoft had its own brand of phones and Microsoft had its own, mo own mobile operating system. But what Apple did and what Steve Jobs did in his vision of what computing should be like, it completely set the bar. It set the bar and what everybody had to catch up to. And till this day, Apple sets the standard. You know, people can say what they want, but Apple sets the standard of what mobile devices should look like. So they set the standard that is then, you know, they set the bar and then everybody tries to climb to it. That's how I see it. And you look with like things like Face ID, you look at things like fingerprint touch sensors. That stuff was available for Android, but it was never as mainstream as it was until Apple put it into their phones. It's because Apple really does set the standard for what devices should be like. So so salute Steve Jobs, man. Rest in peace, Steve Jobs. It would have been his 65th birthday. It's a little it's a little somber uh, story to put on. But with that being said, we're going to move on to the next story, which I found very interesting. Uh, it's from the fine folks at CNET.com. And, uh, and CNET, they're talking about the, uh, Microsoft's latest product, um, or most important product, which they're saying is the uh, election guide. Uh, that's it's, basically it's a voting uh, device um, so if you're looking at the screenshots right now let me see if it comes up yeah so um, if you're looking at it right now you see it's kind of like a, a voting device and what's really interesting about it is is it's it's kind of taking a bit locker or a Bitcoin approach or blockchain approach uh, in the sense of like transparency and so basically what it is let me see if there's any pictures here that I can show you um, where is it so basically um you submit your vote and then you'll get two copies right you'll get two copies of this paper right here and what that paper does is it verifies um that you uh it shows you what your vote is and then it takes the other vote and you put it into the scanner um what's really really good about what microsoft is doing here is that they're basically saying you know what the source code the code for this device that's going to be used for elections um is going to be completely open source right so the people in the community are going to be able to look at this code and say hey this is what's wrong with the with the code of the voting machine this is what we can fix and everybody has a transparent look into the code it's not proprietary code um especially when you're talking about something as serious as elections um you know it, it's very it's a very serious matter and it's it's very comparable to uh, to hacking you know you you look at what happened in, 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 20, in 2016 election, um, you know, voting security was a huge concern after that election. Um, a lot of it, you know, people can say whether it's political or not. I, I do believe it's politically motivated. Um, I, I, I believe that because, you know, there was a documentary. It's like 04, 03 as HBO and it talks about hacking democracy. It's a documentary called Hacking Democracy. And it really, really highlights the flaws in voting technology, how, how hackable it is. As someone who's a security professional, the first time I ever voted when I, was when I was 18 years old. This is 2008. Uh, shout out Obama. Um, you know, uh, I remember just thinking like, yo, these machines are old. Yo, they have people who are and I'm not trying to say that they're old, but they clearly don't know how to use a machine. Um, they're very not they're not very technically savvy. I remember like the guy was like looking for me on the system and he's like, you're at the wrong precinct. You're at the wrong precinct. And like I finally went back the third time. And I was like, can I see the computer real quick? I look at the computer. And I found myself. He's like, oh, you're at the right precinct. I was just looking at the wrong Edwin Pagan. And I was like, you couldn't tell that that guy was a 1960s baby and I'm a 1990s baby, bro. Like I look that rough. 
but it kind of speaks to the fact that like not only did he let me go behind the terminal and and work on the voting machine but he just he didn't know how to operate it and so if you if you think about that right if you think about that then you can kind of understand that like yo like 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 this technology is very susceptible to being hacked and so what microsoft is trying to do is trying to take that technology and say hey listen this is our product but it's our product, but you can look into it. You can open it up. You can look at the code. You can do all that and kind of inspect what it is that we're doing. That way, there's no surprises. Because the minute you try to hide how the process works, how the voting machine works, then you're kind of hiding something for me. So Microsoft is taking that transparency, uh, is providing that transparency. Um, the fact that you see two ballots, right? It gives you two ballots. Um, one is for you, and one is the one you put into the machine that is scanned, right? And what's also interesting is that that ballot, if you look closely again, um, it has a barcode there. And so that barcode or that QR code lets you know once your vote has been registered and counted. Um, and what's also very, very interesting is that they talk about how this voting process is completely anonymous. So when you do submit your vote, there's no way for them to track who, who made that vote because the data is all encrypted. So um, it's obviously a good step uh, in the right direction. And what Microsoft is saying is that, like, we're not trying to make something that's un hackable because you know at the end of the day you ask any hacker any real hacker <laughs> i sound like i sound like vin diesel in um <laughs> fast and the furious he's like ask any racer any real racer winning's winning but with that being said microsoft is, understands the idea that nothing is 100 hackable unhackable that's just facts bro if there, nothing is 100 unhackable and so their goal is to like make it so if the minute someone tries to tamper with it it's very very evident that it's been tampered with uh so hackers are, are determined heard from it um and also that again what microsoft said is making it transparent so everyone can see what's going on because uh yo listen voting security is, is a real issue and um it's not until it happens that we're going to actually take it seriously so i think there's a great approach that microsoft is taking i think that you know in the climate we're living in uh everyone is you know worried about the the election security so uh this is a, this is a step in the right direction uh but i also think that it's not going to get implemented the way people think it is i think I think there's just so much resistance to there's so much resistance to change when it comes to voting technology i think a lot of it comes from just you know outdated um not outdated per se but just individuals who aren't with the times you know uh who who kind of look at the, the equation of adding new technology as like okay if i won this district last year um, if we allow more people to vote and have a easier accessibility to these voting machines and blah 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 does that mean that I have a higher chance of losing because the people who normally wouldn't come out are going to come out and vote against me? You see what I'm saying? I think that's why we don't have online voting or computer voting. But with that being said, um, you know, there has to be some type of change, you know, whether it's like, you know, hey, do we have to kill this many trees in order to do paper voting? You know what I'm saying? The manual intensity process of it. Um, but um you know, I, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. So uh, that's how I feel about that thing. So shout out to Microsoft for doing its thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, so let's move on to the next story before we uh, we sum it up or wrap it up. And this is coming from the fine, fine, fine folks at uh, Wired Mag. Oh, I'm sorry, Vice Magazine. And it's talking about how cost-cutting algorithms are making your job search a living hell. Now, as someone who recently went in... Uh, so hold on a second let me pull the uh, article i'm sorry it's not pulling up on my end 
Oh, here we go. The fine folks at Vice Magazine. Vice always has really good technology articles. So if you're sleeping on Vice, for sure, check them out. But they have a very, very interesting article um, about the cost-cutting algorithms. Uh, <laughs> cost-cutting algorithms are making your job search a living hell. More and more companies are using automated job screening systems to vet candidates uh, forcing job seekers to learn how, uh, how to how learning to, to learn new and absurd tricks to <laughs> to have their resumes seen by human. Yo, public school education. Pardon, pardon the terrible reading. Uh, this is a very, very interesting article. As someone who 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 recently uh, went into the job market, went out, went in, um, was job hunting. It's it's bad, bro. It's bad out there, um, and it's cost cutting. You know, it's it's all about cutting cost, and you know. It, it, it's 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 crazy how you assume the job market works and how most people don't really understand how it works right because if you look at it from the standpoint of like here's the it position you want to apply for before you even make it to your it manager there's got to be a recruiter who has to find you and a lot of these recruiters don't know anything about technology that's just a fact of the matter and so they're using these automated systems to basically help them vet candidates um without actually vetting candidates because they're they're basically basically matching the tile box with the other tile box like okay we need someone with excel skills his resume has excel skills if it doesn't have excel skills but he has all these other skills kick him to the curb you know what i'm saying um the article really talks about how insane like i didn't even realize how insane it was but i did you know what i'm saying so the article talks about how there's a guy who like he was on and off looking for a job for almost 12 years but and he talks about how like um you know like like these companies before you even get the application submitted they're making you do these generic assessment tests they're making you do these generic personality tests uh there was one where the guy said he had a an uh an interview a voice interview with an algorithm he's like with a voice like an alexa voice that he's basically it was asking him questions he would repeat them and this device would analyze the voice and send it to the recruiters and he also talks about how a lot of these tests they all look the same from different companies um, and it's because they're all using this d default vetting system to find candidates. And it's very true. It's, it's very true. It, it is, it, it's, it's one of those tall tale things that shows you that automation is really taking over everything. Um, you know, as someone who, who was in the job market for a while, I can tell you that like, I, once you truly understand how the machine works and how the algorithm works, you can understand that like, you know what? If they're gonna play this game, you're gonna have to play the game right back. And so the article talks about the tricks that people use in order to trick the systems, right? So whether it be, you know, uh, redditors posting the answers to the personality test or to the assessment test, or um, you know, um, basically ways to make your resume. Like one of the things I've noticed is that you, if you're applying for a job uh, on a LinkedIn page or whatever, whatever, you gotta look at the description and look exactly particularly at what the technologies that they want you to have experience with and whether you have them or not, put them on your resume. Why? Why? Because the machine is only matching the keywords. It's only looking for those keywords. It's not actually looking at your resume. It's just looking for those keywords. And those keywords are what's going to allow the recruiter to be like, hey, oh, snap, this guy might be qualified for this position versus your resume that highlights your, uh, you know, your thesis and all that stuff you did in college. They don't care about that. They're looking for the keywords in order to match that. Now, once you get in front of a, uh, an actual hire manager, you can actually say all that good stuff, but the reality is, is that you don't have a you don't have a shot at even talking to the hiring manager unless your resume is something that the algorithm likes and it's going to pick up. And that's how automated the job hunting process has been. Um, 
you look at the you look at how like um you you look at how like there's they're, like they're not even doing interviews anymore they're just like they're just having these automated machines do the interviews for them uh, i did one before where the guy was like send me a video and it's like a video where they're asking you questions it's a video interview so they're skipping the entire process of like having to set up a one-to-one and they just have you basically talking to a camera and then you go on your way and that's how impersonal the hiring process has become um and the heart again i highly suggest you check out the article because it kind of details all this um i can tell you that like my biggest my big like at least my personally my biggest frustration um with being in the job market and hunting um has has just been like it's it's absurd to me how a company will um, ask you to have like we need you to have this and such and such certifications right and then you have those certifications or you have those qualifications and then you go to apply for the job and then they make you do a technical assessment for the same exact <laughs> test that you're certified in so those same questions they want to ask you them again because the certification doesn't mean anything to them uh, it's just that that's the part that confuses me like does that certification mean anything because you're asking me the same questions again. Um, I've seen even more absurd interviews where they asked me to do a one-hour technical interview, where it was like one hour of me um, basically giving them free tech support. If you really think about it, if you really think about it, it's me giving them one hour of free tech support. Now, a lot of people are gonna say, "Oh, you feel entitled, this and that." Let me give you an example and tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me what you think about this, right? When I was when I was 18 years old, uh, 19 years old, didn't have a lot of money, was looking for IT jobs. One of the things that I would do that was a little creepy was I would put fake job postings on Craigslist, right? Fake job postings for like really high, high end jobs that I offered a bunch of money for, right? And then the resumes that came in, right? Um, I would basically steal them. So people who got resume services and use resume services for their resume, I would just basically steal their resume and I would put my name on it and I would just kind of modify it. But I knew this was a professional, high level grade resume. And when I did that, I was able to get so many more jobs because I was able to basically get a free resume writing service, right? Now, if you think about it, about this from a perspective of like, let's say I'm a business owner and I have a bunch of technical issues or I'm facing some engineering problems with my network, right? If I put a job posting out there for a high level network engineering job and I interview a network engineer, right, for one hour and I pick his brain about the issues I'm having, and he solves those issues for me. He just did it for free. For one, he basically gave me an hour of his time for free. And that's that's the issue I have with a lot of companies is that they do these crazy technical interviews. I had one company who offered me eight hour. They offered me. They wanted to do an eight hour on site uh, trial run interview. So basically, I come in, I work for eight hours for free, and it's a trial interview. I'm working for free as a trial. Are you kidding me? But that's how absurd the job market has really gotten. And uh, particularly, that's like my frustration with it. And now it was like one of the biggest factors in me going independent was because of that, is because how crazy absurd it is, how just, you know, unprofessional a lot of these companies have gotten, the staffing agencies, and, and et cetera, et cetera. I, can, I mean, literally, I can go on forever about this, but I highly suggest you check out the article. I'm going to be putting out some more videos about kind of these stories uh, about the job process, the job hunting process and the, the absurdity of the things and the people have had to deal with. Um, but definitely check out this article. Um, and I think we're about to wrap it up on this week's episode of War on the Road, guys. Uh, again, this is a podcast we do uh, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, released on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Articles that we talked about today uh, are in the description below, uh, or if you're listening through podcasts, they're going to be in the bio, the, you know, the stories I watch or we talked about will be in there as well. 
And then, of course, of course, please subscribe, please like, please leave comments below. Your feedback means the world to me. As you saw, people left feedback about how back, how badly the, how bad my background looked. And so we got the green screen now, um, so we can put different angles back there. Um, but just your feedback means the world to me. I do this full time now, and I want to create the highest quality product for you guys out there. Um, so with that being said, follow me on Instagram at onepagan19. Subscribe, all the stuff that YouTubers are supposed to say. Until next time, I'll see you guys on Wednesday. This has been Word on the Road with Edwin Pagan. Take care. Peace.